Pete, what up? What's going on, man? Chilling, man. You now tuned into the Food John Podcast. I'm here with one of your hosts, Mr. Boy Mills. And it's your boy P. How you doing today, man? I'm good, man. I can't complain. You know, same old thing, different day, trying to stay out the way. So let's get into it. For sure. All right. So what you eat this week, man? Matter of fact, before you get into that, that's one of the topics you want to hear from us frequently. Let's just get this out the way now. And I think this should be a reoccurring thing when we have future guests on. All right. How you get your cheesesteak? Well, it's funny because you, as you know, very much pescatarian these days. This is true. So I stopped eating meat. I stopped eating meat. I want to say back in 2019, it was one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. I was vegan. I understand. Now, before the questions come up, well, how can you be a sous chef and you don't eat meat? One thing that I've learned in my culinary journey is you don't necessarily have to eat something to taste it. It's a difference. When I'm cooking certain things, even if I just taste a little tiny piece of it, just to make sure that the seasoning and the flavor is there, just to make sure that it came out the way it's supposed to come out, I have no problem tasting certain things. But I'm never going to sit down and have a full plate of it. So, you know, I hope that answers some people's questions if that ever came up. But back to the cheesesteak thing, man. I always get mine's salt, pepper, ketchup, mayo, and fr- fried onions. I never like the steak them kind. Like, no, no, we just talking about, we don't even, we're not even going to disrespect the real, because, you know, we both from Philly. We're not going to disrespect and say the steak. Uh, the reason why I asked that, and I figured we asked our future guests this, is just my question. What the fuck is up with mayo and cheesesteak? That is disrespectful to cheesesteak. Well, okay. For me, I can't really answer that because ever since I've been eating cheesesteaks, I've always gotten it salt, pepper, ketchup, mayo, and fried onions. I've never not had, I've never had a cheesesteak that didn't have mayo on the roll. And, you know, Maybe it's to, you know, so it's not, so it's not dry, so it's some moisture in the bread, between the barrier, between the bread and the steak, um, unless you just hit the, hit the roll with the ketchup and had the ketchup on bottom and then have ketchup on top. You could do it that way, but I've never had one that didn't have mayonnaise on it, so I wouldn't be able to tell you why. Is, what's, what's up with it? Because I've, I've always like I've always had it. I, I, res- I respect that. And what we're going to learn throughout this this whole thing is just my utter disdain and unadulterated hate for mayonnaise. But we'll get into that later. So <clears throat> first topic we want to get into is uh, what's the one thing you ate this week that kind of made you be like, oh shit? Made you made you be like, damn, that was some good ass shit. You know what? For the first time in my life, I've had, and I don't want to disrespect it and not say the name right, but I think I'm going to fuck it up. I've had double A, grade A, A1 Wagyu. Oh, you're still, you're still a big boy. So I was at, I was at work. 
and my my boss decided he wanted to treat himself and he ordered four of them. How big? Oh. Um they were they were a nice size. I want to say like six ounces or something like that. I, I Damn, mean, so he spent some money. Oh, listen, on all four of them Johns, he dropped like he dropped like a like a band on all four of them. Shit. Oh, yeah. 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 Where yeah. were they from? You know where they were from? It was from Japan. Yeah, he got the he got the real deal. He got the wagyu where the cows all they do is eat and sleep all day. Drink sake and get massaged. Yeah, no, they really they really Shit. massage their cows over there. Like you're not even capping. Like they eat, they eat the best grass. They take naps. They get massages. Um, like they treat these cows like kings and queens up until the day they put a bullet in the head. <laughs> that's true. That's true. It's a fucked up way to put it. But I mean, they live the best life until they die. And so when they came in, I'm like, "What's that?" He was Wangu, and the way he does steaks, the way he does a lot of our meats in general, Pauls, he vacuum seals and he sous vide them. The Wagyu? He sous vide the Wagyu. He sous vide the Wagyu yeah. and took it out, put it on the grill afterwards, put the diamonds on them, um, got it up to temp, and he sliced them so thin that we could have put, we, he could have served it on a crostini. And I said to myself and everybody there, because everybody knows I don't eat meat. I said to them, I said, I may never be in this position again. I'm, I'm eating some of this Wagyu. And I had about three little pieces. And when I tell you that shit melted, mm-hmm. that shit melted. Mm-hmm. Just salt and pepper, nothing mm-hmm. else. It was the best steak that I've had in my entire life. Mm-hmm. My stomach was doing the funky Watusi. <laughs> funky Watusi. For the rest of the day. But it was worth it. Listen. So, I used to work in steakhouses. Right. That's where I like, uh, I made my bones at like the, the, the cocky, arrogant person that you knew I always was. Like, that's when I became that person. And having that accessibility is just it's not fair because, i can see that because me every day seeing the the some of the most expensive steaks to the, the most expensive cuts you know, like your favorite cuts and you consistently seeing them all the time it got to a point i was over it. you became a you became a steak a steak snob without realizing it it was the, i was at the peak of my steaks steak snobbiness and i was like i'm done I'm done, and I stop now. If you don't mind, <clears throat> just for our listeners, the steakhouse in particular, where was it located? Uh, so for one company, I worked. Did it work here? I worked in DC, and I worked in New York. And for another company, I didn't work here. I mean, just DC and New York alone, as far as the East Coast, those are some of the best places to get steak, unless you're going down to your Texas. And your your, no, o- sure. your Oklahoma and all that, and you know your LA for sure. So I think the thing that this is my personal opinion. So before I say anything, let me preface it by saying I didn't learn how to cook at home. I learned professional first. 
So there's certain concepts that I see people do and my brain tells me that's wrong. Now, do you keep it to yourself or do you tell them that it's wrong? I've learned to keep it to myself. Gotcha. Like my mom had to cuss me out and tell her to get the fuck up out of her kitchen. All right. By speaking out of turn. I mean, I'm the same way. I, I, I never, I never cooked at home. I learned how to do it professionally, and then I would take those concepts, like you said, and use them in the house. But for me, honestly, I didn't. I didn't think all these years ago that this would have been my career path. Like, I never had the desire to say I want to be a cook or I want to be a chef when I get older. It just happened because right place, right time. And I don't regret it. No, for sure. And then normally, touch on this and just go back, but normally that's how it happens. Like, you know, I'm no, my first job, you was training me when we was in the kitchen. I was, when I went to left to go to college, it was for architecture and marketing. Yeah, I remember. It's completely <laughs> nothing remotely close to being in the kitchen. And then just me being in it, I found, you know, my next step in life was this is a trade, a respectable trade. No, the thing I only wish, though, was somebody would explain to me what I was getting myself into. I think people do that on purpose. I think, especially in this business, because it's so vast and so much you can do, I really believe that people purposely keep certain gems away from you because if they tell you they could single-handedly be responsible for ruining it for you. Because in your mind, you can say, well, if that's how this is going to be, I don't want to do it. But if you're thrown in the fire and nobody's there to help, if nobody's there with the extinguisher to put you out, then that's when you know, like iron sharpens iron, that's when you realize if you're built for it or not. True. And then also on the flip side, I also think that it's purposely not done to keep people where they at. I can see that. Because, you know, I've, you were, I'm, you've worked in a bunch of places, so you may have seen it. I've worked in a bunch of places where, for me, at a point, I felt like within the company in my specific region, like when I was going up and down the East Coast, y'all can't fuck me. Right. And I'm making a conscious effort to let the powers that be know y'all can't fuck And ladies and gentlemen, if you're a little thrown off by this segment, this is kitchen politics at its best. Oh my god. And kitchen politics are some of the worst politics you can be involved in. You are preaching. Because let me tell y'all something. Just like any job, but we're talking about food and kitchens. The way Mills pointed out, people will purposely not give you the game to keep you where you are because they see something in you that you may not even see yet. And they say, this motherfucker right here, whether he realizes or not, is coming for my job and I have to protect my position. Even if that stunts his growth for a whole year, I'm biding my time until I get my shit together enough to where as though when he does step it up, he still can't fuck with me. And that's the fact. And like the way as far as how I am with my approach about it now, you gotta remember I got 
my first executive chef job, I was just turned 24. Right. And I was professionally starting, getting, like, starting, I had just turned 21. So you got to think about the emotional and mental immaturity I had just because at that age, you don't got it all together. Right. And they throw you a bag and a bunch of power. Absolutely. And, you know, shout out to the first place that gave me the, gave me the shot. They gave me, they gave me, they gave me a little bag. They gave me the power, and I, I'm glad they didn't do it because I had to learn it for myself. But I'm glad they didn't have anybody there to hold. They just kind of said, "Figure it the fuck out." Yeah, and yeah. What had happened was, even with that, if with the kitchen politics of it, half the kitchen quit my first three days. Damn, first three days. One person I met him. I came. He came in. He clocked in at three o'clock, three fifteen. He was like, "Yeah." Give us the give us give us the we need, you know we need the backstory on all there this. There wasn't any. I really wish there was. Do you think it's because you was young and they said we yeah. you're not working for no young boy that don't got no experience? That's, yeah, that's absolutely what it was. Absolutely what it was. Because the thing is, how do you if you're not confident and sure within yourself, how do you as like a 30, 40 year old man that's in line cook position look at somebody that's that can be a son. That damn near, and say he can't tell me what to do. And I was ultra arrogant, super assholeish, because of things outside of the industry. Yeah, I don't care about none of that. Right. Like, so even they started leaving. I was like, all right, cool. My work ethic and my will was like, I'll be in this bitch, sun up to sun down. I'm with it because that's how bad I wanted it, and it happened that way for a good two weeks. And then a couple of the homies randomly called, bro, like, yo, like, you know, where you working at now? Like, oh, shit, hell yeah, bring the homies on. So it kind of worked out for the better. Right. But the, the kitchen politics of just, if this is just a job for some people, this ain't, this ain't for the fame. Like, you, you, if this is just what you want to do, just your job, and that's it. It's going to be extremely hard. It's extremely on, hard. Depending on what they're doing, yeah. Because some people can just be there for a check and just be very, very solid at what you have he or she doing. And they come and they get their bag and they, they leave. And those are the worst employees to have because you see the potential, but they don't want nothing that you could potentially offer them. And I also had to learn those are my favorite employees my favorite because i know what you're coming in to do you don't want nothing nothing more nothing less this is what you come here to do and i have the expectation and that's it i don't want nothing more yeah. now if you want more i i'm going to teach you and show you but like if that's what you want to do and you're efficient and you're good at it it's my favorite employees man you ain't never want no problems out of them never and it's the ones that Come in. My employees, I hate the ones that come in, do shit work, don't give a fuck, and leave. And ultimately, from my perspective, because it's this, I love this shit is you realize that you can kill somebody with your negligence and just recklessness. Yeah, big time. So, this may not be the thing for you. Maybe you need to find something else. Also, I realize in my journey, 
when you are working under an executive chef that has vision, that has a system, that has a plan, you do not want to be the person that bucks the system. Because depends. I was a system bucker. Let's just say, for example's sake, you're working an event. Everything's in place. And you put out some subpar shit. And it's a buffet. It's a, it's a, it's a catered buffet, but they also have hors d'oeuvres that's being butlered. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're not if you're not sure, when somebody says you have hors d'oeuvres or you have food that's being butlered, those are the people that walk around with the trays on their hands and little napkins, little little napkins and you pick up the little the little, you know, hors d'oeuvres off of the tray. That's just like when they walk around with the champagne flutes. Yeah, it's also butlered. So terminology, kitchen terminology, you learn something new today. But and I'm pretty sure you've been in this position when food goes out not to your quality you have to explain to your subordinate staff that this is your kitchen and when you leave out of this kitchen with this subpar shit that you're getting ready to serve for these people it's not a reflection on you, on on the staff it's a reflection on you as the leader and it's like, well, damn! Like this is what Josh is letting come out of his kitchen. This is what this is this is what what Pat's letting come out of his kitchen. And a lot of people don't understand that because it's a mindset that they don't have for themselves. So how can they understand you and where you're coming from? Yeah, that's true too. Like my favorite speech, and maybe it's because I'm so like so further along in the business, and I got that the maturity eventually came. My favorite speech is. I made it already. I'm here. You want to get here or you don't, but you can't say, I need money. I want money and you're not doing the things to get it. So if you try and get to the money, if you try and get to the money, I'm going to show you how to get to it. But if you don't want to do it, then if you don't, don't want to do it, you know, that's, that's, that's it. I made it. And that's, that's my favorite speech to give now. Cause back then I'd be the one arguing, yelling. My first, the first kitchen I ever, like, really real kitchen I worked in was a French kitchen. Place thrown, cussing, all of that shit. So, if, you know, the guy, shout out to uh, Chef Pierre, like, he was up there. Up there. How can I, like, come in there and just give him my ass a kiss when he's giving me an opportunity? Right, right. So, it's not... I think everybody that's coming into this always stay like they look at it as like, oh, this is just something to get. It's like, no, it's an opportunity. You make the best of it that you can. Right. Fortunately, like I might never say die. I'm going to go get it. How much money is in this? I had his chef show me his check. Now, what he showed me at that time, I was like, damn, that's a lot. Like I seen that in street money. I ain't never saw that in like legal check money. Right. So I was like, damn, this is how much you could get? So I'm like, damn. And eventually I got to a point of, if he getting that, I know I can get more. Right. And that's, that's it. And he was salary? Yeah, he was salary. He was Chef and B, which is, you had normally some place you got food and beverage director and you got executive chef. He held both titles. Oh, he was getting it. He was, yeah, he was kicking it. Yeah, he was kicking it. He was doing all right. Damn. He was kicking it. 
Now, it also that also taught me how to negotiate because he offered me a job about a year or so ago. I was like, no, nah, you can keep that. That ain't enough for me. I make more than you now. Mm. So that would, like, my hustle and drive mentality, that's what I live for. The moment be like, that ain't enough, bro. I'm not that kid no more. Right. Grown now. Keep that, keep that little pocket change. I'll give you somebody. That was shit. What? Oh, so yeah. Let's get back. Let's be, get back to the original topic. We definitely went off on a tangent. Was, you had your wagyu, right? That was the thing you tasted this week, and it was amazing. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Top tier, god tier. It was god tier. God tier. It was god tier. So we gonna, we gonna start ranking our stuff. God tier, top tier, mid tier. We can do that. All right, so god wagyu Japanese. That was definitely god tier for me. God tier. Yeah, it was definitely god tier for me. I'm glad you got to explain that. Something I never had. I'll probably never have it again, mm-hmm. but I I couldn't let that opportunity pass me by. For sure, no. Everybody, I feel like everybody you have to experience Japanese wagyu. If you get the opportunity to get a five wagyu, I suggest you definitely. Like it might have been. That sounds familiar. It might have been a five. You know what? When I go back to work, we still have one in the freezer, in the box and everything. I'm going to take a picture of the box and I'm going to send it to you to let you know exactly which one it was. Right. But I think it was A5 because they're, they, they're real, you know, they, they pride themselves on being premium where I work. So if they get some shit, they only want the best of the best. It is probably A5. I think it was. Yeah. Like niggas was mad that I had some. And they didn't. He don't even eat meat. That was a, that was the <laughs> thing. He don't even eat meat. Don't forget, unless somebody does, we gotta taste everything. Yeah, that was the thing. That was that's what they said. So, I asked, what about you? Which was what was what was the best thing you had this week? I'm gonna be honest, man. This is gonna sound so simple. Shout out to the homie Shady. Shady made collard greens, bro. Okay. It might be the best concrete I've ever had in my entire life. Shady, if you're listening, I'm giving up to you. It might be the best concrete I've ever had in my entire life. That's a huge flex. You, on a personal note, you can't fuck with me. My mac and cheese is still 10 times better than yours. But I tip my hat off, bows, everything. It's the greatest collard greens I've ever had. Now, was ever it ever had? Was it one of those when you have it on your fork and you go and you take that first bite, your eyes close? No, I was taking it. Listen, this is how crazy it was. I was taking it. We got late, so this is you know Thanksgiving. We got there late. Everything's still a little cold. I'm start making my plate. I hate microwaving, but for Thanksgiving, I'll make the exception. So, I, you know, I get put the calories on my plate, take my, take the fork. Mind you, these are cold. Take the fork, put it in my mouth, grab another fork to get something else. And I go, oh, shit, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> Ice cold. And I was like, these are amazing. That's Heat how you know it's good. Heat it up, tender, melt in your mouth. Damn. And I was like, this, I don't, I cook 364 days out of the year. I'm not cooking Thanksgiving. This is why. 
This is why. I need to see what, I don't got to prove nothing to nobody. I need to see what y'all got going on. And if there's something I need to learn and pick up. Right. And I need to learn that my college doesn't have shit. And I make some all right. Make some all right collard greens. So these collard greens ruin collard greens for you. You can go on my fridge right now. It's probably like a Chinese food container full. I took whatever was left. Mm. Mm. Took whatever was left. It was, it was so it was one of the situations like I hope y'all ain't planning on getting none because I took them already. Yeah, y'all asked out. Y'all asked out. Ain't no more. Ain't no more greens. Y'all better get them string beans over there, which weren't bad either. But the greens they, they off the market. You know how like if you got like a buffet and it's like you run out of something, so you just take the shaper off. Mm-hmm. It's one of the moments. Put, the, put the lid over it. This is this one's done. No, there wasn't. No, I took the whole thing down. Ain't no more collard greens. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> he's coming home with me. <laughs> but yeah, so you want to jump in? Uh, jump in the tell us from the kitchen. You got something? For this oh, I always got something in this segment. I always got something for this one. Now, last week, last week, what you give us? You gave us the the, the sixth floor horror story. Oh, yeah, sixth floor horror, horror show. That's, that's what that's what I call it. Suds mania, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, if this was if this was WWE. That would have been WrestleMania up there. Summer Splash? Yeah, I'm like, tell me about Bash at the Beach. <laughs> so, I, gave, I gave the Coke story. Yeah. Now, now, mind you, my story, once you told me that one, my story ain't have nothing on that. Like, you really, like, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, this week, Tales from the Kitchen, it actually is going to come from the hotel I used to work at. So, I had many hats. I was a line cook. Mm-hmm. I did cafeteria for the staff. Mm-hmm. And I was a banquet cook for events. Right. So, in my eyes, I was in prime placement to not be fucked with because nobody was willing to do everything that I was doing. For sure. But this one day in particular, that shit backfired. <laughs> So, okay. my day started on the schedule. I was supposed to be in cafeteria. That shift is from seven thirty to four, and in the midst of the day, we do. I do all the pastries for any events that's coming up. I do cafeteria. I put lunch out. Then I also do it again and put dinner out. And I put dinner out. Then I leave. Mm-hmm. So, in my eyes. Typical cafeteria day. Cool. Everything's going good. It all changed around 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock, you got a call out on the line. Mm-hmm. So they're already asking me, after you put cafeteria out, slide over. could I slide over on the line and help out until they either get it figured out or, if possible, work the whole shift? The line closes at 11, which means I've been working from 7.30 to 11. Mm-hmm. I'm chasing that paper though. Yeah. I'm like, all right, whatever. It is what it is. Seven o'clock rolls around. I'm dog shit tired, bro. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the mental fatigue starts to weigh in on you. Like, I'm tired. I'm tired as fuck. Yeah. And I'm working the hot side. And oh. it just so happened that all the orders seem to be coming in on the hot side. Of course, that's always the case. And the person I was working with that night on the cold side 
did not move his ass from that fucking cold side. <laughs> I was legit on my fucking own, bro. So You're not gonna help, yo? Alright, say your dumb ass down there. So I'm like, fuck it. It is what it is. Now I now I got an attitude. Mm-hmm. But there's also something going on in the back. Like we is a trifecta. Like we got shit going on in every facet of the kitchen that day. Right. These motherfuckers had the audacity to ask me if I can come back and help them plate up and put this meal out. <laughs> I did it though. Uh-huh. Because that means that cold side motherfucker gotta go to the high side. Because yeah, you ain't going you you gonna let the orders come in? And you don't know how long I'll be back here. Did he let the orders come in? No, no, he did what he had to do. He was pissed about it, but he did what he had to do. But this is where the real horror actually comes in. It's bad enough that I done worked three different positions this day. It's bad enough that I've been there since 7 o'clock that morning, and at this point, it's like 9, the quarter after at this point. We played up. We got everything situated. We got everything in the hot boxes and the cambrews, everything. All I hear is, oh, shit. I'm like, yo, what happened? A whole camera fell over. Uh, wait, was it plated or buffet? Plated. Oh, A whole camera fell over. And it was one, it was like 20 sheet, 20 sheet trays to fill up the entire Cambro with four plates on each sheet tray. Oh, no. That's what, 80 plates? Fair. Bruh. In that moment, I gave zero fucks. Because I had been here since 7 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I said, listen, y'all pulled me off the line. I helped y'all do what y'all needed to do. We got it done. I'm, I'm, I'm going back to the I'm either going back to the line or I'm going home. Yeah. I'm not staying back here to help y'all do this. I'm not. I went back to the line. When I got back to the line, the restaurant shit had died off. Mm-hmm. So for the last hour and a half, we ain't had no orders. I just cleaned up so I can get out of there. And um, because I worked that super long day, they gave me off the next day. Right. So I was like, all right, cool. Like, that's the least I can do. But yeah, <laughs> longest <laughs> fucking day of my life, bro. Listen, the fact that, like, the old shit and commotion following is you already know, just being in the kitchen, you already know something bad just happened. Oh, for sure. And it's always that moment. you That's when you figure out how you're going to respond. You're either going to help fix the situation or you're going to tap out. I tapped out. As a man, I, res- I, tap- I respect I it, though. Because at that point, this is how I look at it, too. Sometimes you got to learn when to dial yourself back a little bit from doing too much because people will take advantage of that shit. You gotta know when to hold them. You gotta know when to fold them. Gotta know when to hold them. What? Damn. Yeah, bro. 80 plates? 80 them things. They still work They still work there after that? No, because here's the thing. The person that did it was a temp. Oh, so, they so, really so, ain't so they ain't worked there from the get-go. They was like, shit, y'all got more, right? <laughs> That, but then that's that was the attitude. Like, y'all got more? Here's what made it so bad. We had more, but everything we had was frozen. You, you don't got time to thaw, so what do you do? You got to cook from frozen. 
And then when you cook from frozen, you have to adjust your time. You got to adjust your temperature because you can't blast it because then if it's frozen veggies, they're going to be soggy because of all the water. Mm. Then cardinal sin number one to me in the kitchen when it comes to cooking at temps that you shouldn't just because it looks dumb on the outside. Don't mean it's done on the inside. And you do not have time to figure that shit out when you have people that's here for an event waiting for their food. Bruh. And that is why all you chefs and line cooks y'all better have a thermometer on your sleeve. Oh yeah. Them shits. After a certain point you learn how to not use them just be able to tell by touch yeah. and just the eyeball test. But sometimes and for all the for all the rookies out there or the, the newer cooks, if you have state of the art equipment and your oven comes with a probe in the oven, please probe your meats and set the set the temperature for the probe for the internal temperature of what you're cooking and it will cook it to that exact temperature so you know if you don't know you know whatever you're getting ready to pull out that oven is done that's crazy that's definitely sick i never had seen one of them we got at the at the gig the company is called rationale i believe mm-hmm. and you know it's a two-tier oven top and bottom but both ovens rationale have us a check yeah for sure both ovens have a, a probe uh-huh. inside the oven that's connected, and you stick that probe in your in your poultry or your 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 your, your steak or whatever you're cooking. Hit the button, move the dial to 161 degrees internal. It cooks it to that exact temperature. The alarm goes off, lets you know it's done. You pull it out, you pan it up, you sauce it, whatever the case may be. Get it in, get it out. You don't got to worry about no human error at all. Damn. Yeah, looking at that, man. Listen. Even though I'm like super old school about it, like I go by time, texture, touch, like triple T. Yeah. Listen, I got eyeball the shit, but something like that, I like it, it might be necessary. It has made my job that much easier because I can put it in probe it, set it, and walk away and do two, three other things. And when I hear that alarm go off, I know my chicken or whatever is done. Let me get it out the oven and pan it up so I can go move on to my next thing. Because when I first started, I was on the same type time. Uh, I know, you know, a six ounce chicken breast is probably going to take 14 minutes, give or take, and this and that. And then my boss is like, yo, Get off your fucking high horse, bro. <laughs> Probe that shit. Set the temp and walk away. He said, listen, I'm not saying that you don't know what you're doing. But as far as being efficient, this is how we do it. This is how we've been doing it. This is how we're going to keep doing it. He said, do you know why? And I said, why? He said, because everybody can do it this way. So there's no room, there's no real room for any error when everybody can do it. If everybody's doing it the same way, our product is always going to go out the same. See, like, we might have to have a separate segment where I vent about that kind of shit. 
because I feel like that takes away from what makes a chef a chef, though. You know what? Before we go any further, I 100% agree. And I know exactly where you're going. Because that's just like, for example, that's just like having a mandolin. Or you have all kinds of equipment that does the hard job, the hard part for you. So you can have somebody that uses all this equipment that puts out an excellent product, visually, texturally, everything. Everything is superb, but their knife skills are shit because they don't have to worry about using a knife because they're not cutting anything because they're always using equipment. Nah, buddy. I, listen, where I'm at now, there's, there was some equipment I fixed and got right going, and there's some shit I just threw away. That mandolin, see ya. Roboku, see ya. And then I had one of the, one of the staff members like, yo, um, he asked me for something. He asked me for the mandolin. I was like, well, what you got to cut? Like cucumbers. I was like, you got two mandolins right with you right now. He was like, what you mean? Both his hands. Both your fucking hands. Get a fucking <laughs> knife and figure it the fuck out. That's it. And that's just, and maybe that's me trying to extract some type of talent and skill out of them too. Because for me, it's all about respecting what we do. Right. Because in 15, 20 years, when all this shit is ran by machines and it's one person that maintains the entire kitchen, while everything else is machines, I would make sure I'm that one person. Because the machines eventually going to break, then how you going to, can you do this right. without the machine? I'm going to be that one person. I see where the industry is going. So mark my words, guys, man. If your positions are replaced by machines, don't be surprised. No, listen, I 1,000% agree. And it's, all, it's already going that way in California. All, oh, the, yeah, sure. all the smart markets and the the Amazon stores where is no humans whatsoever. Pay for the shit by phone. Yeah. It automatically gets stocked. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's uber convenient, but it's also a detriment if you don't see the writing on the wall. And I think a lot of people don't. I think, I think especially with COVID, a lot of people missed it. Oh, yeah, for sure. The only thing during COVID that people was on top of was that money. And that PPP shit. That money. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I'm doing all right. That's all right. I'm doing all right. That's but it. me realizing it was a couple of things I realized. I need to pivot. I need to think of something else because I ain't going to be able to use my hands and, and stand on my feet for 10, 12, 14 hour days. Nah, hell no. Eventually that shit is going to be done. 2020 and the 2021, what a time to be alive. It was great. <laughs> I was like, my my first thing is, so mind you, that was, I call it a forced vacation. Yeah. That was the long, that was. How, uh, how long was you out? Off and on from, I want to say March, March 2020. I came back August, got let go again in November, came back January, got let go by the end of January, February, came back, and then I had left. So I got furloughed three times. Oh, they were just, just fucking with you. 
yeah. I wouldn't even say they was fucking with me because nobody really, uh, nobody really knew what the dynamic, the dynamic, what the protocol yeah. was going to be or what it should be. Like up to that point, when I came back, it was I was the only person in the kitchen, so it was on me to do dish, cook, clean. Right, and I was just such a fucking menace as a line cook and me going up in the ranks like I was leaving like 9 o'clock on the nose dishes clean everything wiped down washed full swept mop like I had a system but that's because I did everything prior right then the dishwasher so right. I know how to keep that shit in order then uh, utility I put orders away I've done it all so that was just nothing. It was like, damn, I'm getting paid to be, I'm getting paid exec money to be a line cook. Like, this shit is amazing. Right. But up until that point, that was like the long, that was, up until that point, I probably, the longest I was out of work for like a vacation was 10 days. Bruh. I was burnt, like, I was Bruh. burnt out. Bruh. I remember this shit like it was yesterday. My last day at work was March the 13th, 2020. <laughs> Bro. Yeah. yeah, I remember the exact day. March 13th, 2020 was my last day at work, but ask me when I came back. Did you go back? Yeah. I went back. The following year? I went back because I had to, not because I wanted to. I went back because I had to. Because it was to the point where, because during the pandemic, because people didn't realize the writing on the wall, but I did. They had reached out to me during the pandemic and asked me if I wanted to come back to work, but they were doing things that weren't kitchen related. I wouldn't have came back in the kitchen. One time they asked me if I wanted to come back and do front desk. Another time they asked me if I wanted to come back and be a houseman and housekeeper. Oh, shit. I had zero desire to do either. Rolling tables and but pictures. three strikes and you out. Oh, yeah. They only want to offer you three positions. You turn down all three of them, they terminate you out the system and you're fired. A lot of people didn't realize that. So I knew they come to me with something else. No matter when it, no matter when or what it is, I have to take it because I'm not going to have a job. Right. But when they came to me the third time, it was to come back into the kitchen. So I was like, cool. But that time when they called me to come back into the kitchen, it wasn't until August the 21st, 2021. God damn. I was I was off for a year and a half. And I got all of that money the entire time I was out. <laughs> Listen. Listen, you work for the money. You work for to save up to have that bank for for you when your unemployment kicks in, for sure. But listen, I did all right. <laughs> you did all right. Listen, every unemployment, every PUA, every tax break, everything that they offered to us when we were out during the pandemic, I got all that shit. And it was a very humbling experience because it put me in a position to do two things. It put me in a position to, one, have the money to support and take care of my family the way that I needed to. And, you know, we had 
things happen at home that needed to get taken care of that I was able to do because I had the money because I wasn't just being frivolous with it. I was definitely being frivolous. And two, it put me in a position to realize how I wanted to live moving forward. Right. Not worrying about how I'm going to pay for things. Not worrying about how I'm going to do X, Y, and Z because I have it to do it. So I said to myself, moving forward, this is going to help drive me professionally to get to where I want to be so I can live how I want to live. And the pandemic showed me that. For sure. Um, I think for me, I think the pandemic pandemic, depending on what you want to call it. Um, I think it was that, for me, personally, it was a universal way of saying, sit the fuck down. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I was going, you gotta think, from 2010 to 2020, I took one vacation. Damn. Two. But I don't really care. Real vacation where I'm out for an extended amount of time. Yeah. Not three, four days here. Like, like when I you went to Dubai. I didn't go to Dubai. You ain't go to Dubai? I didn't go to Dubai. Oh, I shit. Go to Dubai. My fault. That, was, that wasn't even me trying to be funny. I that, thought you really went. No, nah, no. Nah, there's no Dubai stamp on my passport. I'm sorry. I wanted to be. Well, I've, I've never seen your passport. It's fine. I got a couple. But. See? No, that, that's a that's a that's a that's a baby flex. It's fine. I got a couple, but that see, not only it doesn't count. I've had a passport since I was four years old. It don't count. Okay, so it expired. So then you have to get new ones. Yeah. So that's why you have multiple. So okay, this is normal thing. All right, but it I taught, digress. I'm sorry. Yeah, it told me I need to sit the fuck down because I was going. I was like the year. I put it to you like this. That my this is my 2019. I was I moved back here from New York. I work here. I leave the company that I was working for. Go to direct competition. Was about to <laughs> I, and being there. I almost got in three fights. Someone was like, "I don't need to be here." But you know, we'll save those stories. For yeah, me. yeah, yeah. I go work for this hotel. Uh, I'm working there, killing shit. I think I got. And I'm proud of myself to say this. We got audited by corporate. I had the highest score on our region. And I pushed the clap button too soon. That's when you saved the clap button for uh, me. And don't worry about it, man. We're doing another day. And then COVID happens. So that entire year, I didn't take no breaks. And I'm still, when I'm in New York, I'm coming back home every time I got a day or two off. Um, I didn't take, I took, Seven days from me leaving one company to going to the next company, and then the same thing again. So I had three over for three different companies that year before COVID. So I was going right, but um, you know everything kind of worked out. I got some much needed rest. I had to address some things like physically, and my body was deteriorating. I think that year, that was the year I was my healthiest because the year before. I was 235. Damn. Yeah, bro. It was like a little baby fat boy. I, not even baby. It wasn't New York. Me going to New York saved my career and saved my life. Because I wasn't, I was walking from 
I was walking from 45th and 2nd to Times Square every day to go to work, which is tw- uh, 25, 20-minute walk. Okay. But it's in New York City, so it's like 30, 35 minutes because you got people stopping, looking. Yeah. Got to walk around people. So I got my weight down. I started eating better. So the pandemic helped a lot. So it also taught me like appreciate, slow down, smell the roses, appreciate the time you guys spend more time with your family because you never know. Right, right. No, listen, that makes that makes perfect sense. And sometimes we got to be forced to take a break because we won't do it on our own. I definitely wasn't going to do it. I was, I had a goal in mind and I was running, I was going to run myself in the wall before I would stop going for it. Which brings me to my tells from the kitchen. So I've been trying to, during this whole conversation, I've been trying to think about which one I'm going to tell. So I'm going to let you pick this one. All right. You can pick the water fire or the in your pussy. Well, if you know, if anybody know me, like you know me, <laughs> I'm going with the in your pussy. I got you. So, I'm an African American, right? Yeah. A lot of people so don't know. I know. Yeah, for sure. A lot of people don't know. I, I understand I can speak Spanish. Okay. A lot of people don't know that. Couldn't ever say it to you because it's couldn't talk to him in Spanish. Right. So, I use that as my, as my, as my like, chess piece whenever I go to a place. Okay. So, I'm working for this particular hotel. The entire kitchen is Spanish. The entire kitchen is Spanish. It's me. Alright. Three other black people in the kitchen. Two of them I already know. Two of them I hired. Okay. One of them I didn't hire. He was there for some time, but he spoke. He spoke Spanish. He spoke pretty, pretty okay Spanish too. Okay. So at this point, they're all talking to each other in Spanish, and I understand everything they're saying. Thankfully, they're not saying anything disrespectful. Gotcha. So that was a cool part. So there's this one particular day. I like I like kitchens that we're like a family, which means we're gonna play pranks on each other, but we still don't get the work done. Right. There's one particular gentleman, my utility person. He makes himself something to eat. He sits his plate down. I tell one of the cooks to take it, put it in the microwave. So at this point, because I'm fairly new, they're like, "Oh, he's being nice. He's just telling telling us to put it in the microwave." I'm like, "No, I just want it." Which is partially true, but I want to see how they respond to each other. If they really like each other. So, he's going around. Anybody see my plate? No, nobody's seen your plate. This is fucking crazy. I can't find my plate. I took so much time to use agitated and get pissed off. Mind you, this is going on for like an hour. So, one of the cooks goes... You, you check the dish machine? You sure you didn't put it in there? So he goes, fuck you. I didn't put it in there. I'm, I'm not the dummy. I know what I'm doing. So he's walking around. The same cooks go, you better check your pussy. It might be in there. But he says it in Spanish. I start crying in tears, laughing. He goes, he turns around. He was like, huh? you, you know what I said? And I was like, yeah. He was like, this is whole conversation in Spanish. You speak Spanish? I speak it. He's like, you understand it too? I was like, yeah. 
He's like, how good? I said, you told him his food was in his pussy. He better check it. I was like, you want me to say it to him back to him in Spanish too? He starts crying, laughing. He said, don't tell anybody. And I'm not going to tell anybody. This is our little secret. So for this carried on for about two months, the same cook who held this story. So he would purposely, throughout this two months, he would make everybody say some crazy shit about me in Spanish. Until one to two months later, we had a banquet for like 400 breakfast. So he goes, you got to come in early. I can't make enough eggs for 400 people with the equipment we got. So I go, okay. I'm leaving early too. And I'm leaving before you, just so you know. So he's like, fine, that's fine, whatever. So we have a tilt kettle. I'll make a scrambled eggs in the tilt kettle. So then he goes, in English, I've never seen anybody do that shit my entire life. And I said, in Spanish, in front of the whole kitchen, I got some shit you need to learn. So you better keep your mouth shut. And everybody in the kitchen was like, you spoke Spanish this whole time and you let us talk about you like a dog and you didn't say anything? Yeah. Get this shit together. You never know who's coming in the kitchen and you never know what they know. Right. So you assume that I don't speak Spanish. It's like the, the rush hour shit. You assume I don't speak Spanish. No. Right. So all this shit talking, don't give me no apology for it. It's all right. Just know I'm on your ass now. Now there's no more excuses. I can say in two languages if you need me to. So the more of that story is, you never fucking know. Treat everybody the same, respectfully. Have fun with each other, but respect each other too. No, I get that. And that's dope. And I always feel like when the Spanish women at work <laughs> just start talking Spanish when they speak very fluent American, like, these, for a reason. like these bitches talking about me. I think they are. But then again, like you said, you never know. You never know. Sometimes, sometimes, here yeah, talking cash shit. And other times, there are certain words that aren't in English that's in Spanish and right. vice versa. And it's easier to translate easier to back translate. and forth. No, I get that. But that all in those moments, that also makes me want to step my weight up so I can learn it. That way, if that does, if that situation does come up, I know. All right. This is a tip for y'all. Learn como se dice blank. Como se dice is how do you say it. Okay. So, um, so Dominicans, Spanish sounds different than Mexican Spanish sounds different than Puerto Rican Spanish. I have a grassroots idea of all three individually, but some stuff will never translate. So I'll say like, Coincidence and I'll hold something up. You as a Mexican may say something different than you as a Dominican. Right. So it's just, you know, you you'll learn little shit. Like shit like that. Like I met a dude when I was working in New York, he in broken English and fluent Spanish told me how he you know, hopped the fence. Oh shit, for real? And it's one of the most riveting stories ever. He did it twice. Damn. Hop, got caught, got sent back, hop again. Got a sponsor. That's crazy. So, and he's one of the people, his story was so riveting, 
I was like, man, everything you teach me, you'd be a disservice if I didn't use it. Right. Look at all the shit that you had to go through just to get here to make a living for yourself. Right. So he taught me some shit. Like, he was like my introduction to the state house was at a high level. Okay. Like, when I got there, because I was there training, it's funny, I, I got there, they sent me in there first to get trained, and then I did the training a year later. But, um, I went from being able to just do a hundred people by myself to four hundred dollar. And this is tickets. Yeah. That's major. Listen for all you out there, that's major. Because we're not talking about four hundred orders with one thing on it. We're talking about four hundred orders with two, three, four different items on each ticket. And to be in the position where you're comfortable enough when that when that hit, when that rush starts and you don't know when it's gonna stop, to be okay to know that if I'm in the weeds by myself for two hours, three hours, I can hold it down and not drown. You might be treading water. You might be doggy paddling. You might be going under and coming back up and going under and coming back up. But you coming back up. You're not you're, you're not drowning. And I think it takes for you to get your ass whooped a couple times for you to really get your bearings right, listen. underneath you where it's like, okay. Ask it like I done got knocked the fuck out, got my ass kicked. I was, one night I was in the weed so bad. I don't sweat in the kitchen because I'm always under control. Pressure don't bother. Right. I was fucking so I was in the weed so bad and so hot and my body was overheating. I was drinking so much water, I got water drunk and was on the side of the fucking boiler throwing my life up. Damn. Nothing was coming up with water. And the old Mexican dude, little Pablo, he put a little salt in my water, a little sugar, he said, drink that, it feel so much better. A little bit of salt, a little bit of sugar. Drink that shit. I was like, all right, cool. Stop sweating. Calm myself down. I was like, all right, it's time to go. But Kosher salt? Just salt. Just salt in general? You need... Table salt? Sodium. So Sodium gets a bad rap. Too much of it, yes, it is a problem. But your body has to retain electrolytes, especially when you're working in the kitchen. So I need to retain salt. And the sugar helped me, gave me an extra boost. Gotcha. So... Yeah, man, I done seen a lot of shit, man. A lot of shit. Well, while you got the floor, you might as well keep it. What is your motivational mic drop this week for our listeners? My my motivational mic drop for this week is showing appreciation to your haters. Tell them thank you. All right, that's thorough. Tell them thank you. Because they clearly see something you don't. So behind that guise of, oh, this person ain't this, this person ain't that, is projection of them looking at themselves and not seeing what they see in you, and they don't see it for themselves. So, yeah, it sucks to have haters and have people talk shit on you. It sucks, but 
more often than not, it got nothing to do with you, but it got everything to do with themselves. Right. So right. you just hit them with a, you know what? Thank you, but you know, take your opinion with a grain of salt. I got that. I get that. I get that. That's very well, very well said. Thank you, haters, man. What fun would it be if everybody was on the same page? Zero. You walking around, be walking around like is that that Will Smith movie with the robot? I robot. I robot. Everybody walking in uniformity. Yeah. Be fucking boring. Nah, that's definitely boring shit. So, haters, congratulators, you guys get the same thanks from me. I get that. That's cool. Share motivation with my girlfriend. Um, mine is kind of on the same plateau as yours, but I would say pay attention because there's a lot of truth behind the jokes. Yeah, yeah. A lot of truth behind the jokes. People are people are so fast to say some nut shit. But then chalk it up to them joking, or they'll say something out of context. But then try to I'm make try to make light of it. There's a lot of truth behind these jokes. People people will dress people will dress up pure hate behind a joke because if you can get people to laugh at it, they're not really paying attention to what you really just said. Right. So please, again, pay attention. There's a lot of truth behind the jokes. And, the, and you know what? Just diving into that a little bit too. It could be good or it could be bad. It's just up to interpretation. Oh yeah. So it don't. It don't necessarily mean like it's some ill will or malice. It's just. It just is what it is, kind of thing. It's what you take from it. No, absolutely. And when I tell y'all, I call, I tell P the fucking goat. He always laugh it off, but it's true. There ain't no me without him. So, salute to that guy. And I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, and I'll definitely take that. But to all of you new listeners, to well, that's pretty much everybody because there's only a handful of people that can honestly, truly say they know the real dynamic behind Mills and P. So, I'm definitely taking everything. I'm, I, I, lo- I, I love to get roses. I love to get my roses. I, I take that compliment, but best believe me, to all the new listeners, that was also like a backhanded compliment. <laughs> so No, no, see, here's the thing. You love giving yourself the roses. If they come from somebody else, you're so paranoid, you think it's a joke. First of all, I want to tell you, <laughs> You sound a thousand percent like Peak. Shout out to my guy Brandon. Shout out to Peak. He'll be on the show at some point, but you sound exactly like him. I'm gonna tell you why. It's true though. I was talking to him yesterday, and I forget what he said, but I said something else. I kind of deflected what he said, uh-huh. and he says, "See, here you go. You always on this bullshit." You're always trying to spin something. Just take it for what it is. And I said, I can never take it for what it is because I know exactly what you mean. You can say something, but then have multiple meanings to it. But you're only choosing to acknowledge the meaning that you're trying to shine light on, not the other meaning. So I'm going to shine light on the other meaning. And I'm going to say, well, which one did you really mean the most? 
black man. You shouldn't be so insecure about your feelings, man. It's all right. It's I'm, okay. not, I'm not insecure about my feelings at all. It's okay. Sometimes when somebody tells you you're great, it's just that. You know you what it is? Nothing more. I'm so used to people bidding. And, For sure. And, and when it comes to you and me in particular, you have you haven't always been this way but because of me and I will take ownership where ownership is, is needs to be taken mm-hmm. you take things and you've become very very well over the years at taking certain things and spinning it the way that I do so when you spin something the way that I'm used to spinning something I don't know originally if it, when it registers well, is he, is he trying to spin it on me or is he being legit? Then I got to try to figure it out on the fly. And that can be difficult. No, you don't got to figure it out on the fly. If I just say, yo, yo, hey, there's no me without you. There's no backhandedness to it. It's just a fact. You, and I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about the goat comment. It's it's just a fact. All right. Or, or if it makes you feel better, it's just my opinion. All right. People got Brian as the goat. Me personally, I got Jordan, but... This is not a sports podcast, so we don't even got to entertain Yeah, we don't got to entertain that. We got to entertain Because we've been talking for hours on that shit. Yeah, listen, just that conversation alone. And then you see how it's always either Brian and Mike, people forget about code. So that's another conversation. It's not a sports podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> my, my bad, my bad. I, I, I digress. That's my fault. Yeah. No, but listen, honestly, I definitely appreciate it because, again, like I said, nobody knows with the exception of, I want to say, and you, you may agree or disagree, but I want to say with the exception of like four people, nobody knows like truly knows the dynamic and the four people is Dan, mm-hmm. Pete, mm-hmm. Wanda, mm-hmm. and your mom. Yeah, and my sister. Yeah, and your sister. Yeah, my sister. That's that's it. Anybody else on the outside looking in is just like, who the fuck is these guys? And that's fine. Who the fuck is these guys? But you know, we're gonna continue to entertain y'all with this. These banter, these, uh, you know, some advice here, some kitchen shit, some gems. You're going to find something. So, listen, real quick, before, yes, we, before we get out of here, question, we can make a segment out of it if you want, but I just have a question. What's up? So, question of the day is... Also, real quick, that's perfect. If you have any questions, you can DM us... On Instagram at the Food Drawn Podcast. Yep. T H E F O O D J A W N P O D C A S T. You get uh, DM us on the IG. You can also email us at the Food Drawn Podcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. So if you got questions, we will answer them live on air. Hit those two places up specifically. That's how you'll get in contact with us. But uh, out of all the areas within the industry that you worked which area and what I mean by area is where you're working now restaurants hotels mm-hmm. wherever what area did you enjoy working in the most restaurants 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 yeah, yeah. for sure 
Now, do you want to save for next week? Do you want to save the restaurant dynamic between a restaurant and a restaurant and a hotel, or you want to dive into it now? We can dive into it now. We can just make it short and sweet. Right. So I started off in hotels, and then I moved to restaurants. And my only move to restaurants solely was because restaurant people saying you come from hotels, you can't go. Okay, I get that. And I don't know where that dynamic started and ha- where it happened, but it's a real thing. And me going into restaurants, and I went from major market hotel to premium steakhouse. Like, I wanted all this work. Let me see what it is. And it's... So what is the distinction between the both then? Because there's a stigma of what you what food you get from restaurants in, inside of a hotel. Okay. What you get in that banquet space inside of a hotel. Versus a standard brick and mortar restaurant. Essentially, essentially, honestly, there's no real difference. The hours are different. There's only difference. Now, there's a certain level of arrogance that comes with working at restaurants because it really takes like a truly special person to come in, do this shit over and over and over and over again. Perfect to perfection. I just think there shouldn't be that divide. I got you. Yeah, because for my personal, like for life, outside of food, hotels. But if you want to be in this shit for real, for real, and actually figure out and be willing to have real competition, restaurants. I got that. See, I never truly worked in a restaurant, especially not a steakhouse. I worked, remember the diner that I used to work at down Manium? Yeah. That that was open for all the 15 minutes? Mm-hmm. That could have been something great, but for numerous reasons. Sound like a business one, right? It didn't happen. Yeah. And I left there to go to the hotel. Mm-hmm. Now, under one umbrella, I ended up working at two different hotels. The first one, and then their sister property, which is essentially down the street and around the corner. Right. So I was in close proximity to both. Now, working in two different hotels, the one restaurant compared to the other was night and day. Mm-hmm. Night and fucking day. Like, you really could not hold the two in the same light. But I noticed that I noticed early in the game that as far as far as hotel restaurants, you're only as busy as your occupancy. That's okay. Because a lot of people, when they go out on date night, when they're just out and about trying to get a grub, they're not thinking, let me go inside this hotel and go eat at their restaurant. So if you don't know about it or you're not staying there, you want to have a lot of easy nights. For sure. Listen. A lot of easy nights. I think the most you'll do is prep for when you do get that hit. But the downside to it is when you are not consistently busy, your prep lacks. And you prep enough to get you through what you think may happen. And you get that one or them two huge tables, 
that depletes your whole that deplete everything and now you're prepping on the fly and now you're in the weeds because you never recover you never recover until the night is over unless shit just drops off and it's dead if you got some business going you're never going to recover yo see I was always like a vicious prepper though because I never wanted to be in the weeds I never wanted to be in the weeds either and I would prep but I've had upper management come to me on more than one occasion and tell me dial it back some because if we don't use this we're going to end up essentially throwing it out or it's going to get wasted and we don't have air quotes here we don't have money to throw away right so cool you want me to dial it back i'll dial it back but when i dial it back and i'm in the weeds and i need your help this is why because you told me to dial it back so I'd rather do what you tell me to do and then show you why what you want me to do isn't going to work. Then you then you feel comfortable with letting me go back to doing it the way that I know it needs to be done. See, I was a vicious, like, like on the line. If I'm there for five days, I'm prepping. For, prepping enough for three days. Because I'm doing that, like, if I'm there from, would you say, Monday through Friday, Monday, I'm prepping my life away. To get you to the middle of the week, and then the last two days, you, you deplete everything else that you made. No, no, no. I'll, so I'll prep everything for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday, I'll do the same thing I did on Monday. But that Friday, when that's my last day, y'all gonna have to figure it the fuck out, because I'm tossing it. But I'm consistent that way. So right. even if we don't get shit Friday, if we don't get shit Monday, but we get a pop Tuesday... I'm still good because I got enough for Wednesday and maybe I got to add more but Wednesday is always my refreshment day anyway. Right. I used to get, I, mean, I used to get so much beef with like my chefs because my cooks would complain and be like, yo, he don't leave us no prep. And my response would be, I do this shit twice a week. If you can't do it once in two days, then you don't need to be on that station. So, like, I had to learn the hard way because I'm, I'm a team first guy. If we're on a team, you're going to get the best teammate out of me that you can get. And what I expect is the best version of you because it's the only way that we're going to be able to make this dynamic work. So I had to learn very fast, especially the last place I was at. I do heavy prep and people got so accustomed to well, we know Pat got it, then not and then they'll deplete the shit that I did, and then they won't replenish it. So then when I come back, I'm doing that shit all over again, or I'm left with scraps. I'm left with the shit that got to get thrown in the trash today anyway. So then, a friend of mine, my guy Reggie, shout out to Reggie, he pulled me to the side one day. He said, "Pat, look, man, I hate that it has to be this way, but if I was you, I'd prep up." shit that you you need and just stash it bro just stash that shit in the walk in you know downstairs or wherever and just use your own shit and let them use their shit and then they'll learn damn you know what right, we do gotta do it as a team and I'm like I, I hear you I shouldn't have to to stoop to doing shit like that but I hear you but I ended up having to do that you got, you got to and it's also you training yourself, you're disciplining yourself to eyeball it and see how much you know you're going to need, and it's training them to understand that 
oh, you gonna have to work. You just not coming in here to full stock. Fridge, like, no. Yeah. And that used to be my thing. I would be like, I know when I come back, even if they were, they eventually got to the point where I would come back and I'd be like, oh, my shit full. But I would come in with the mind say, oh, yeah, no. Even if it's a little bit of something here and there, I'm throwing everything out anyway and starting over. Right. I need, I represent my stuff. And I, y'all got bullshit, overcooked pasta. Like, I'm not using that. Uh-huh. I'm glad you said bullshit overcooked pasta. I'm gonna save this pasta story for another day, but I got a pasta story for you. Oh shit! I definitely got a pasta story yeah. for you. That's my biggest like overcooked pasta is like my god tier things I hate. In the kitchen and tomato. Those are two of my god tier. Me and tomato got like a love hate relationship. Really? We fuck tomato. Oh, but. They're amazing products. We'll say that for another day. I'll answer that question. But God tier, oh shit, I hate the kitchen. Does pasta and tomatoes? pasta and tomato product. Alright. What's, you, what's your favorite tomato uh, company you fuck with? The San Marzano's? Yeah, God tier. Sam Marzano, that, like that's that's it. Sam Marzano, ladies and gentlemen. There's another one, I can't remember the name. San Marzano. Tomatoes in the big number six cans, or just in general, but especially the big cans because we're so used to making vats and sauce and stuff like that. San Marzano is like the Rolls Royce of tomato products. It's another brand too. I can't think of the name. That's an Italian brand, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think I, I, I know what I, I know what you're talking about. I can't think of the name either, but. That other brand you're talking about, we don't use it a lot. But San Marzano, we use that religiously. We use yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Top, top God tier product. Fungal, but God tier product. Yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to delve into this love hate thing you got going on over here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not it's not crazy. It's just a personal thing. Like, so if I can tell you this, this will be a, we'll leave off on this. All right. If I gotta work with tomatoes. I'm going to get it on my clothes, no matter what. Okay. Apron on, apron off, it don't matter. I'm getting fucked up. Well, that's why you got the apron stuff. It don't sometimes. It don't even matter. It gets everywhere, including the apron. I listen. This just happened to me probably like two weeks ago, maybe three. It's making making marinara. I drop the can. I get to the last can. I watch the shit fly up in the air. A little drop, one little drop. Fly up. I got an apron on because I know I'm going to get fucked up at some point. This shit lands on my fucking collar and I got a white jacket on. Mm, I know you was hot. And it could have landed anywhere else. I prepared myself with an apron. And mind you, I don't wear aprons. I've done, I've, I hate wearing aprons. But I'm not a messy worker, so it's fine. I put an apron on because I know I'm going to get tomato some form of tomato on his white jacket. And sure enough, the, the tomato said, fuck that apron. Right on my car. I was like, I can't fucking move. So that's, but I love tomato to cook with, make shit with, I love it, but. Well, if it makes you feel better, this, the story you just described, we're in the same boat, so. Oh, it's okay. Like, like to, make, to make the marinara sauce, to have it in-house, We'll open up like 10, 12 cans of tomatoes at one time. 
And I'll be on my eighth can. I'll be on my eighth can, and my pour game is immaculate at this point. And I'm pouring. I'm in the pot, and I'm pouring on the side, and just letting it slide down. And I'm getting it, and I get to the last can or the second to the last can, and the pot's pretty full. You thought it was filling you. And the splashback <laughs> isn't what it would have been if the pot was empty. And I take my hand off. The, I take my eye off the prize, and the marinara sauce or the tomato sauce is everywhere. It's it's on my it's on my it's on my my eyeglass lens. Mm-hmm. It's on my apron. It's on my jacket. Somehow it's in my beard. Fuck tomatoes, yo! And I'm like, bruh, like disrespectful. Like I just got assaulted. Fuck tomatoes. Yeah. So listen, I'm right. I'm right with you. And you see, like this is like a like a bird's nest. Like it just sits there and gets crusty. And then don't don't have the jokester with you working with you. That's not going to tell you it's there because you don't feel it. Oh, that, that's me. Yeah, and then you know I didn't had a chunk of tomato in my beard for the last two and a half hours. And I go to the bathroom, and now I look like, you know, I'm, I just walk into a murder scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm with you. I feel you. But, man, listen, if that's it, man, you know. Get out of here. Another, uh, another, another week, another successful show. Sure. What are we calling this episode? Uh. Fuck Tomatoes. Fuck it, fuck tomatoes. Fuck tomatoes. What, what was the name of the one from last week? The first one. The inaugural. Just the, the just the intro. Yeah, the intro. The inaugural. That we call it the, the pilot. The pilot show. Yeah, the pilot. We call it the pilot. All right, so we got the pilot, and then we got fuck tomatoes. Fuck tomatoes. Well, I hope you guys are intrigued so far, and trust and believe, we really want you guys to be as excited. To hear it as we are to tell you. Yeah, it's definitely, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of passion going into this, but it's also a lot of fun, too. We're just sitting there talking shit. I mean, eventually we'll get to the point where we get to really, really deep dive, but we've just taken these first couple episodes for y'all to get to know us. You feel me? Yeah, and, and, like, and, and like Mills said, if y'all have any questions, feel free to DM us yes, on the Instagram page. Yes, sir. The Food John Podcast, T-H-E-F-O-O-D-J-A-W-N-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Yes, sir. You can also email us at the same thing, the Food John Podcast at gmail.com. Please, please remember to put your name if you would like to be shouted out. What I will do is, if you don't put your name, we're going to make up one for you on the spot. And you can't complain. Yeah. That's only fair. So if we will call you Dickhead Derek, that's what it's going to be. You should put your name. Yeah. Or fucking, uh, what's another one for, for the ladies? Yvette. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that Jody's baby mom from Baby Boy? I think so. I think it was Yvette. There you go. He blacked the shot of her eye, too. You see? Disrespectful. So you damn sure don't want to be Yvette. Yeah, because you might pick a random ass name. Shaquiana. It could be anything. Oh my goodness. Deborah. I know a lot of wholesome Debras though. I do too. And they're all older. Because Deborah's a Deborah's an old name. It's yeah, it's old and safe. Yeah, like uh like Thelma or Adrian. Or Gretchen. Yeah, there you go. 
Yeah. But listen, man, like we said, man, we hope y'all enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with another episode. More stories, more tales from the kitchen, more more motivational shit. And then, like 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 Mills said, slowly but surely, we'll get into the, the nitty gritty of it. We'll get some um Meat and potatoes. We'll definitely get some uh some visual behind this audio. And I think once the visual pops in, that's when like we'll really be in the thick of it. I don't know. Y'all y'all DM us. Comment comment and let us know if that was a pause moment. Yeah, but no for sure. We get into the meat and potatoes, the real shit, every the things that everybody really wants to know if you're like not in this industry and really wanna know it's like Gordon Ramsay, like, is that a real thing? Yeah. Like uh we gotta I don't know if you did you see the bear on Hulu? The bear? Yeah. No. Watch that before we, we record. The bear? Yeah, the bear. Yeah. All right. Watch that before we record. I feel, like, I feel like I got some homework. Yeah. Watch that before we record. All right. Discuss that. I got you. All right. I'll watch it. I'll probably watch it today or tomorrow. Yeah. And get it out the way. It's like eight episodes, 30 minutes. Yeah. Oh, it's a whole series. Yeah. All right. We'll have to discuss that. Well, that's another thing on my to do list. Yeah, I'll get it, man. Knock it out. We got time. Yeah, we, we definitely got time. All right, y'all. Well, listen, man. Y'all enjoy the rest of y'all day. Y'all enjoy the rest of y'all week. Be safe out here. And like we said, please, please, please reach out to us. Tune in. Things are only going up for y'all from here. Love, peace, and chicken grease.